Let's pray. Father, we come now to seriously consider your word, for in um, your word is life and light. Um, in your word is grace and truth, and we just need to be fed um, this daily bread for our soul, uh, that in these times and in all times, uh, we might be a people that grow to be more and more like Jesus. So keep us mindful of that growth, that discipleship you call us to, and keep us watchful uh, of the signs of the times um, but also present in the time that you've given us. So be with us now. These things I ask and I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, if you're just joining us or you haven't been here for the last, like, 15 weeks or whatever, I've been in the Gospel according to Mark, and um, we've been doing a theme on that, and it took me a few weeks to get it, but I decided we were going to call it the A theme, and each week there's an A in the... Uh, sermon title somewhere. And so we're now in the last week of Jesus' life. He's nearing the end of uh, Yom Revi'i, uh, which is the fourth day of the week. Um, that's for us, that would be Tuesday evening into Wednesday evening. And keeping with that A theme, the, the title of this week's sermon is Approaching the Future. Approaching the Future. Now, friends, I want you to do me a favor right now. If you don't have a Bible open in front of you, um, I want you to get one and open up to Mark 13. If you don't have one, go get one right now uh, and make it so. Now, I'm serious. Get up from the table or from your recliner or wherever you are and go find a Bible because I'm going to teach through the entire chapter of chapter 13. And by the way... Um, as a former educator, um, I think it's important to you that, that we learn a whole lot more when we actively listen than when we just sit there and passively listen. Uh, so you're definitely going to want to actively listen today. And why? Well, because today, uh, today's sermon is an end times sermon. <laughs> By the way, right before I uh, came up here to preach, Amy looked at me real seriously in, in a face and she said, now, I don't want a doom and gloom sermon. No doom and gloom. But y'all, I want you to think about this. I want you to remember that the Lord gave me this entire sermon series in November of 2019. And that today's sermon was selected before last Thanksgiving. Now, it's true, I didn't start studying really for it until this week. But... But it's no coincidence. It's no coincidence that we are going to be studying chapter 13 today because our world, our nation, our state, and now our valley are in a time of great upheaval. Jesus prophesied to his disciples about the future times of great upheaval in his Olivet Discourse, which we find today in chapter 13. So one of the most important lessons you can take away from Jesus' prophecy is this. Approaching the future is both near and distant. It's both near and distant. Most of the words that Jesus uh, shared with his disciples would come to pass within a few years of Jesus' resurrection and his ascension. Such was the case with the destruction of the temple in Jerusalem. 
It says, as he was leaving the temple, one of his disciples said, look, what massive stones, what magnificent buildings. Do you see all these great buildings? Replied Jesus, not one stone is going to be left on another. Everyone will be thrown down. See, Jesus was telling his disciples to look beyond the beautiful facade. That the temple belongs to an old order whose builders will reject the stone that will become central to God's new temple, the body of Christ. That old temple became obsolete, and God allowed it to be utterly destroyed in the year of 70 A.D. Thirty-six years after Jesus' resurrection, when the Romans completely destroyed the temple and the whole city uh, while putting down the Jewish rebellion that began in the year 66. Jesus' prophecy about the temple's destruction, well, that primed the disciples' end-of-the-world pumps so that By the time they arrived at the Mount of Olives, Peter, James, John, and Andrew asked Jesus privately, tell us, when will these things happen? And what will be a sign that they're about to be fulfilled? See, the disciples, they they had a want, didn't they? Well, like a good parent, Jesus gave them what they needed. See, the disciples wanted confidential information so that they could get the inside track into what God's timeline was going to be for the end of the world. Instead, Jesus gave the disciples what they needed, instructions on how to discern the signs of the times so that they will not be disheartened by persecution or panicked by wars, plagues, or pandemics, nor will they be fooled by appearances or led by false prophets during uncertain, scary, or trying times. Now listen, I asked you to get that Bible, and I hope you did, because the key to understanding Jesus' approach to the future is in one word, watchfulness. Watchfulness. So get your pen or your pencil ready. Oh, I didn't tell you to get a pen or a pencil. Well, get one, or a highlighter, whatever. Crayon works. I'm going to give you some verses. I want you to, to, to find them, and I want you to underline the word in each verse. I'm going to tell you about it. I want you to go to verse 5. It says, Jesus said to them, watch, underline that, watch out that no one deceives you. In verse 9, it says, you must be on your guard. Underline, be on your guard. Verse 14 says, when you see, underline, see, the abomination that causes desolation." In verse 21, at that time, if anyone says to you, look, underline that, here is the Christ, or look, there he is, underline look, do not believe it. Verse 23 says, so be on your guard, underline that, I've told you everything ahead of time. Verse 26 says, at that time, they will see. Underline, we'll see the Son of Man coming in the clouds with power and glory. Verse 29 says, even so, when you see, underline, you see these things happening, you know that, the, that the, it is near right at the door. Verse 33, underline, be on your guard, be alert. Verse 35, underline, keep watch. Therefore, keep watch. And lastly, verse 37, what I say to you, I say to everyone, underline the word, watch, watch. See, if you get nothing else out of today's sermon, I want you to know that Jesus calls us to take a watchful approach to the future. Watch. 
Jesus continues in verse 5 with the divine imperative. Watch out. Don't be deceived. Jesus said to them, watch out that no one deceives you. Many are going to come in my name claiming I am he and he will deceive many. You're going to hear of wars and rumors of wars. Don't be alarmed. Such things must happen, but the end is still to come. Nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be earthquakes in various places and famines. These are the beginnings of birth pains. Now, we'll spend some time just on this section here. Now, remember when I said earlier that Jesus' prophecy is both near and far or near and distance. There have been many notable people over the last 2,000 years who have claimed to be the Messiah. Even in recent times, we can think of Jim Jones, who led his cult to commit a mass suicide in Jonestown in 1978, or Charles Manson, whose Manson family committed a series of murders in his name, or David Koresh, whose compound was destroyed in 1993 in a hell of bullets and fire. As for wars, (laughs) what can I say? Our own nation is relatively young by the world's standards, and yet in our 244-year history, we have been at war roughly 224 years. In other words, the United States of America has only been at peace for about 20 years of our existence. Nations continually rise up against each other and war with one another. They've been doing that since before Jesus offered this prophecy. Natural disasters, famines, plagues, pandemics, you name it. All of these have taken and are taking place. The key statement I want to really draw your attention to is the last sentence of verse 8. These are the beginning of birth pain. Now, you might be surprised to know that I've never been pregnant. I've I've looked pregnant, but I've never actually been pregnant. See, I've, I've never carried a baby full term. I've never had labor pains, nor have I experienced what it's like for my water to break. My contractions getting closer and stronger or pushing with all my might through sweat and tears and blood and pain so bad, so bad that I can't fully remember the power of that pain years later. I've never gone through the experience of my body growing and nurturing and bringing a new life into this world. I've never done that. But my wife has. Twice. And she is a rock star. What I have experienced as a father is bearing witness to that change that took place in her from the time she had her first contraction until the moment my daughters were brought into this world. In case you're wondering where I'm going with this, here it is. 2,000 years ago, Jesus said, these are the beginnings of birth pains. In other words, when Jesus ascended into heaven and the promised Holy Spirit came, the world went into labor.
If the world started labor 2,000 years ago, then how close do you think the contractions are now? I know God didn't cause this pandemic. God is a good God. He is a beautiful, loving, and trustworthy God. Death, disease, sickness, these are all byproducts of a fallen and a broken world. But if you don't think this pandemic is a wake-up call to the entire world of the imminence of Christ's return, and that now, more than ever, is the right time to get right with God by choosing to have a relationship with Jesus Christ, then you need to wake up and watch out. Because you've been deceived. Now listen. We've just now gotten to verse 8. I've still got 29 verses to go. So it's okay if you need to get up and go to the kitchen, get some more coffee, pop some popcorn, whatever you need. I'm going to be here a while. I want to make sure you're comfortable and well fed, okay? Jesus continues approaching the future with this theme of watchfulness in verses 9 through 13. Watch out. Be on guard to present the gospel. Jesus said you must be on your guard. You'll be handed over to the local councils and flogged in the synagogues. On account of me, you will stand before governors and kings as witnesses to them. And the gospel must first be preached to all nations. Whenever you are arrested and brought to trial, don't worry about what you're going to say beforehand. Just say whatever's given to you at the time, for it's not you speaking, but the Holy Spirit. Brother will betray brother to death, and father his child. Children will rebel against their parents and have them put to death. All people will hate you because of me, but he or she who stands firm to the end will be saved. Now, friends, here's the good news of this part of the prophecy, as well as the next section. This is probably mostly near prophecy. I mean, it happened soon after. Our early Christians, brothers and sisters, they suffered tremendously for the gospel. The Apostle Paul went from one who was flogging Christians to being flogged for preaching the gospel. But the truth is, Christian persecution has never stopped since the birth pains began. What is central to this section is verse 10. And I would encourage you to underline that. And the gospel must first be preached to all the nations. Friends, we may not physically be able to be together in worship today, but do you know what is happening right now as a result of this pandemic? The gospel is simultaneously being heralded around the world wherever the internet reaches. And you crazy good looking people are sharing these posts. And so it gets shared like 22, 25, 30 times, and it expands the audience. And that's just us. Like we had like almost 2,000 views last week from worship, and that's just one church. Can you imagine what's happening all across the world right now? Watch out. Because not until every nation and every tribe has heard the gospel will Jesus return. Now, Jesus goes on in verses 14 through 23 to say, watch out, don't be fooled by fakes. 
When you see the abomination of desolation that causes desolation, standing where it does not belong, let the reader understand. Then let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. Let no one on the roof of his house go down and enter the house and take anything. Let no one else out in the field go back to get his cloak. How, how dreadful it will be in those days for pregnant women and nursing mothers. Now look, this was probably mere future prophecy. Don't forget about the book of Acts. Y'all remember Acts? Oh, we spent 27, 26 weeks there and a lot of stuff happened in the book of Acts. The church in Jerusalem was persecuted and it was scattered and they had to jet out of there. Also, don't forget that when Rome destroyed Jerusalem and the temple in AD 70, what was put in place there were erected various statues of Roman gods or abominations that caused desolation. Now, in this manner, the near prophecy has come to pass. But there's also a distant future aspect here as the passage continues. Verse 18 says, pray that this will not take place in winter because those will be days of unequaled from the beginning when God created the world until now and never to be equaled again. Days of distress unequaled from beginning when God created the world until now and never to be equaled again. I would encourage you to underline that. Those days of distress. Okay? If anyone says, look, here's the Christ. Look, there he is. Don't believe it. False Christ and false prophets will appear and they'll perform signs and miracles to deceive the elect, if that were possible. So be on your guard. Be watchful. I've told you everything ahead of time. Now look, Jesus' primary objective here is to arm the people of God with what they need in order to remain faithful in times of distress and calamity, which have been and will be all the way up until Jesus returns. Hear that again. There will be distress and calamity and all sorts of stuff all the way up until Jesus returns. Notice that in verse 20, Jesus says, if the Lord had not cut short those days, if the Lord had not cut short, friends, Time is speeding up. Life is moving progressively faster. Do you remember how slowly things seemed to go when you were a kid? How summer took forever, how it took all year long just to get to, to Christmas? Do you know, though, that my kids have really never felt that way? Even as teenagers, I hear them saying, wasn't it just Christmas? Like, didn't we just blink? That's because time is, is getting faster, or at least it certainly feels that way. Because we are moving progressively closer to birth. The Lord is speeding up the days so that we will not lose hope in the midst of progressively stronger contractions. Now, up to this point, we have discussed the near and the distant future of Jesus' prophecy and how his approach of watchfulness will see us through the rest of history. Friends, we are in a time of tribulation, with greater tribulation on the horizon, but don't let that discourage you from your call to carry the cross of Jesus into our generation. You see, every generation of Christians has had, has, or will have a cross to bear until Jesus returns. None of us are immune from suffering. 
nor will we escape suffering. See, if Jesus didn't escape the cross, then why should we? Now listen, if you tuned out, tune back in. I'm saying this to you because there is a concept among evangelical circles that there's going to be a rapture in which Christians are going to be spared suffering while the rest of the world endures the harsh wrath of God's judgment. Here's the problem with that concept. It dismisses the cross-carrying of every Christian to which Jesus has called us. Moreover, if all the Christians are removed from the world, then there will be no more gospel. And if there's no more gospel, then there's going to be no more love. Now, how can the world go on without the love of Jesus Christ and the opportunity for all to repent and believe? It can't. Therefore, it must end. So this concept of whereby Christians suddenly disappear from the earth in a flash of light, that must be a poor interpretation of Scripture. Now, if I've just offended you, if you're like, but the Left Behind series, they were so good. That must be the way it is. Remember their novels. I read every one of them. I loved them. I love end time stuff. Don't get me wrong. But don't tune me out now. Allow me to make my argument. Because what Jesus says next in Mark's gospel is something every Christian needs to understand about Jesus' return. The return of Jesus Christ will be undeniable. Look at verse 24. But in those days, following that distress, following that distress, underline it, following that distress, the sun will be darkened and the moon will not give its light. The stars will fall from the sky and the heavenly bodies will be shaken. At that time, People will see the Son of Man coming in the clouds with great power and glory. And he will send his angels and gather his elect from the four winds, from the ends of the earth and to the ends of the heaven. Listen, I want you to circle that passage, mark mark it somehow in your Bible, and write a note out in the margins of that that says, This is the end. This passage right here, this is the end. This is what the end is going to look like. Jesus says in verse 27 that his return will come after the distress. The statement in verse 26, men will see in the NIV in the Greek is actually they will see. In other words, everyone, believer and unbeliever, will experience the cosmos destroying itself. And everyone's going to see Jesus coming in the clouds and everyone will see the angels gather the church from all over the world. None of us are going to have to try and figure out what the signs mean and whether or not this is it. Everyone's going to know it's the end. No one is going to have much time to get ready. No one's going to have much time to be prepared. That's why it's important now to be watchful, to not be deceived, to be on guard, to continue sharing the gospel, and to carry the cross of Jesus Christ with your life. Because when the end comes, it will come quickly for everyone. The rapture of living Christians will take place immediately after the resurrection of Christians. 
And the angels will gather us up and we will be with the Lord forever. Hear me again. There is not a pre-resurrection rapture. Listen to what Paul says. 1 Thessalonians 4, 15 through 18. According to the Lord's word, we tell you that we who are still alive, who are left until the coming of the Lord, will certainly not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord will come down from heaven with a loud command, with the voice of the archangel and the trumpet call of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. After that, we who are still alive are left will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will be with the Lord forever. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. Jesus now starts to end his discourse on the Mount of Olives in verses 28 through 37. And he wants us to know that when approaching the future, the fact that the future is going to end is certain. The timing, however, is uncertain. Isn't it wonderful how marvelously vague Jesus can be while at the same time being specific? See, none of us know. None of us can be certain other than it is going to end. That's why Jesus illustrates this teaching with two parables, both of which highlight the need to be watchful. Jesus says in verse 28, Now learn this lesson from the fig tree. As soon as its twigs get tender and its leaves come out, you know that summer is near. Even so, when you see these things happening, you know that it is near, right at the door. I tell you the truth, this generation will certainly not pass away until all these things have happened. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. See, we should approach The future with watchfulness because no one knows when the future is going to end. Jesus says in verse 32, no one knows about that day or hour, not even the angels in heaven, nor the son, but only the father. Now listen, Jesus is not saying he doesn't know. He is saying that while he is in human flesh, he does not know. That being human has, by Jesus' own choice, limited his divinity. Trust me, Jesus, the Father, and the Spirit are one holy and triune God. The resurrected Jesus knows when the end is, but the Jesus who shared this prophecy did not, at least at that time in human history, know when the end would be. That's why he says in verses 33 and 34, be on your guard, be alert. You do not know when the end will come. It's like a man going away. He leaves his house and he puts his servants in charge each with his assigned tasks, and tells the one at the door, keep watch. Friends, we are the servants, each with assigned tasks by the master. And while we carry out these tasks awaiting the master's return, we are to remain watchful. That's why the key to understanding Jesus' approach to the future is in one word, watchfulness. And that's why Jesus ends all this With therefore keep watch, because you do not know when the owner of the house will come back, whether in the evening or at midnight or when the rooster crows or or at dawn. If he comes suddenly, do not let him find you sleeping. What I say to you, I say to everyone, watch. Now notice that Jesus' approach to the future takes a middle-of-the-road approach. 
Jesus doesn't want us losing our heads in the clouds trying to figure out if he's coming. It's going to be real clear when he returns. Listen, it's good to study prophecy in a, once in a while for the sake of our own growth and grace. But such studies should not become obsessive nor fear driven. I've been there. I've held myself up in room for weeks at a time while I look like a crazy, sweaty tooth madman. Don't spend too much time there. Just enough to grow in grace and then move on to something else. But listen, this is why I say middle of the road. Because Jesus wants us to be watchful and vigilant um, because he doesn't want us to become lazy. He doesn't want us to fall asleep or to scoff at the signs of the times while we're waiting for his return. Jesus has told us how to approach the future. Watch. He has done this so that we are forewarned and forearmed. We're going to face adversity. We're going to face persecution and false alarms. We're going to face nations ruined and we're going to face pandemics and we're going to face a whole bunch of other things. But thanks be to God that none of these happenings and none of these distresses can take away the hope that we have in Jesus Christ. He told us this so that we can be ready, but more importantly, so that we can keep working, keep working right up until the day. After all, the Lord has really only given us two days, hasn't he? This day and that day. This day, the day in which we're living. And that day, the day we see him face to face. So, let us watch faithfully as Jesus sees us safely from one day to the other. And that's his word seriously considered this day for the Church of Christ community. All thanks and praise be to the living God. Amen. Hey, thanks for checking out the So What Factor. My name's Randy Bennett. I'm a United Methodist pastor, and these sermons answer the question, I hope, so what? So what? Is God real? So what am I supposed to do with my life? So what does the Bible actually say? So in every sermon, it's my hope that you'll figure out what the so what is. But if you don't know, or it wasn't clear, feel free to find me on Facebook at Randy Bennett Jr., and shoot me a message. You can also email me at pastorrandybennett at yahoo.com. Be happy to hear your questions and, and, uh, and connect with you. So thanks for listening. Take care and God bless.